1: Welcome to a Joycast from Joy ninety four point nine. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts.
0: Hello, and welcome to Been There, Done That on Joy ninety four point nine. I'm Chris, and with me in the studio, this is Gordon. And I was Phil when I got here, but I'm not too sure where he is anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I know where he is. I'm not sure when is.
0: Been there, done that. Is Joy's history program where well, we we've made it that we've oh, told it. We talk about anything. We would. That's right. <laughs> that's just a general excuse uh, to describe the tone of the program. Uh, we believe that we know a lot about anything or a lot about nothing so uh, we're going to (laughs) pound your ears
2: we know a lot about little things and little things about a lot of things and we don't claim to have been there and done that with every subject that we cover
0: we've got quite a range of subjects today not a lot of which is actually gay related but not to worry it's the world we live in and we are affected with history
1: Well, of course we are. History affects everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're gay, straight or whatever. And if you don't learn from history, you, you are going to repeat your mistakes.
2: Phil, oh. Phil is sitting over there very quiet. I don't think he's ever made a mistake. Well, I'm perfect. I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken.
0: <laughs> in today's show, we'll be talking about the Aboriginal flag and a new display that's been put up in the central square of Adelaide <coughs> that's related to that. We'll be talking about the French celebrations coming up on the 14th of July in celebration of Bastille Day. And then a, a year later, they celebrated Unity Day. Now, that was a little bit interesting, and we'll also have a look at how the French have done marriage equality. We'll be talking about communication, about Shakespeare, and his contribution to the English language of about another 1,700 words that hadn't been into real existence until he decided that, yes, he needed those sort of words in his plays, in his communications. We'll be talking about the pop-up Globe Theatre that's due to rock on to Melbourne very, very soon. We'll also be talking about Helen Keller, the first blind and deaf person but she was able to communicate very effectively. And we'll talk generally about political unrest in the rest of the world and hope that this is a passing phase, but I don't think we should hold our hopes up too much.
2: It's not a new idea.
0: No, it isn't, certainly, yeah no. Well, last week we celebrated NADOC. But Bill, you, you've, you're telling me that this, this week, week is a different week
2: We've got a very special commemoration of a 1972 Melbourne medical Confl- conference Where nobody showed up Oh, right It's no, no Doc week
0: no oh. Doc week <laughs> <laughs>
2: Okay oh, <laughs> I got that out of my system <laughs> Moving Good, right glad, along Glad you got rid of that one
1: <laughs> But um, once again, South Australia is coming to the fore as far as um, Indigenous affairs go because it was in Adelaide that they first flew the Indigenous
0: flag. Aboriginal flag in 1971 on the 12th of July. The (coughs) Aboriginal flag is the one that's dominated in the middle with the yellow sun. Red on the lower half and black on the upper half. Mm-hmm. And it was first flown in Victoria Square, Adelaide, right in the centre opposite the GPO in Adelaide on National Aborigines Day, 12th of July 1971. And the flag was created by Aboriginal activist and artist Harold Thomas. And he chose the red ochre to represent the red soil and the black to represent the aboriginal people and the pride being black in australia the yellow sun was chosen for its commonality as a colour used in aboriginal art but also because thomas regarded it as a symbol for all people
1: i think it's i think it's a great flag because you understand immediately what it is yeah and it's it's very interesting that they did it in south australia because in the old days before federation aboriginal people in south australia were allowed to own land They had, they could own land and they could vote. They could do all and do everything that uh, the white settlers could do over there. They made that as one of their things, but of course, when federation came in and the um, no, the indigenous community was not recognised. They lost all their rights to the land that they had been living on and had owned and bought and were farming and doing things with, and they were kicked off the land. And um, that was it.
0: Well, I'm not sure about being kicked off, but at least uh, there was no title resonant with the, the new occupiers. That's right,
1: yeah, but this is, this is the problem and um, the Indigenous people were disenfranchised from the land that they had originally been on and were able to own in under the, the system that they had at the time. Yeah. What
2: is it about South Australia, though, that seems to make them more progressive people? Because they were never... Um, South
1: Australia was the only free state in Australia. There was never, ever... Prisoners or the convicts going there they were that was done by um Mr. Angus, I think his name was, was yes. it? Angus he was the fellow that formed a company in Britain to bring new migrants to south Australia as as free migrants yeah. and all the rest of it. But so they seem
2: to have a better attitude with the, the local Aboriginal well, this population. Well,
1: this is what happened when they got there. They didn't kick the Aboriginals off the land. They were able to use their own land as, and stay with it. But, but uh, And, of course, that, they were the first state to give women the vote in Australia.
2: Yeah, but you, I would expect that New South Wales and Victoria... Have had longer to to learn and deal with these topics, whereas South Australia just go ahead and do it.
1: Yeah, we'd see the the what the New South Wales and Victoria was part of New South Wales originally, was ruled by the army and the police force, and the uh, the people were only convicts, and so they had no rights or anything. And this is this is what happened, and they they mm. took no, they sort of basically kicked the. Uh, well, they were invading people. the
0: indigenous that's land, right. weren't yeah, they? That's right. Yeah, yeah. But anyhow. However. A new Aboriginal artwork has been unveiled in Adelaide. Again. Uh, again, yeah. It's images drawn by schoolchildren and then created in South Australian granite stone. And the cultural marker is in the paving in Victoria Square, where mm-hmm. the, f- the first Aboriginal flag was was uh, unveiled. And it's a symbol of the local people empowering for the Indigenous Indigenous students involved in its creation and, and help them embrace their identity. It's it's rather special because it's in the meeting place in the centre of Adelaide, but was the meeting place for the local Aborigines. Mm, mm, mm. So uh, there's a lot of symbolism in this, and it's lit at night with solar powered light. So it's a very modern typey thing. It's a be- I, I always like Victoria Square. I think it's one of the
1: one of the prettiest squares in Australia. Actually, it's um it's got beautiful buildings all around it, and it's it's just lovely. And the tram goes right through it now. It used to be the start of the Glenelg tram, but now the Glenelg tram has been sent straight up the main street and around the corner past the casino and a bit further on. Mm. Yeah. But we've now got uh, Fed Square, which is another place altogether.
0: And it's interesting in the wording that they, uh, the local Adelaide City Council used when this was opened, they said, Victoria Square was a fitting location because it was a central meeting place for local mobs. hmm Now, there's a marker here acknowledging these are the nation's first people.
1: Good on South Australia. I tell you what, I came in to the little um, soiree we had here on Friday evening at Joy. Yes. And I did notice that somebody had put an Aboriginal flag on one of those bollards down near Fed Square. And I thought, how good.
2: That's really, really good. Well, they'd had a demonstration down Burke Street right. earlier yes, in the day.
1: That's right, and that's why they put the thing there. But I, I, it's, um, I believe they've done a lot of uh, bollards and things over in um, Spencer Street Station with um, with yeah. the Aboriginal flag, yeah, which is great. I love it. Yeah.
2: But these people in Adelaide were quite clever because they had school kids do the artwork. That's right. You don't have to pay them. <laughs> the same with um, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd with the album The Wall. The Wall. We had the kids singing, "We don't need no education." Yeah, they are yet to be paid, and they're now adults.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll be getting to Shakespeare a bit later with his words and phrases. We will. Yes.
0: Also, though, on the 14th of July, 1814, the book in which Matthew Flinders proposed the name of Terra Australis for the southern continent is published.
1: That's where the name Australia came from. Well,
0: it had been known as Van Diemen's Land for Tasmania. And New Holland. And, and New Holland. Yeah, and, all bits and pieces. And all these other mobs that had actually bumped into Australia from the explore exploration countries That's in the right. world, they gave it a name, the great southern land and things like this. Mm.
2: What do the two words mean? You've got Terra. Terra is Earth. It's right. Latin so Earth. it's referring to the island. The Australis was the southern, the southern, the southern yeah. continent. Okay. Mm. And mm. from that, we've eventually come around to being Australia. Australia. 18, 1800,
1: 1824. Was Australia. Was it? 18, 1804.
2: 1824, That's right. We, it was, it we've was, lost a few letters.
0: And as we know, Matthew Flinders was an English sea explorer known for his exploration around Australia, and he added significantly to the knowledge of the coastline, and its meticulous observation and calculations enabled him to produce accurate maps.
1: Phil, uh, it's, it's quite interesting when you see the um, map, well, well, you see Australia from the a GPS thing. From a satellite. From a satellite. It's exactly what Matthew Flinders yeah. did, drew it as. yeah. There's very, very little wrong with what kind of skill
2: it. is that to, to to map the coast from a boat? Yeah. I can't... Do you imagine that you're in the air and looking down? No no no, 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 no. It's, it's all it's done by... It's just
0: your calculations of from old, as you're going past the coast. You know with your own GPS of that time well, where the you are. Load,
1: the, 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 what have you? They had the... Um, sextant and all those things that they knew where the sun was and they would get down. They knew that they'd gone so many uh, so many miles. See, with all this technology we've got now,
2: we must have lost a lot of skills.
0: Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there
2: will be people going around using their GPS mm, mm, mm. and one day that satellite's going to fall out of the sky and we're going to be doomed. Oh, but yeah. they keep putting more up there, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you're friends with those little satellites. Mm.
0: After James Cook claimed the continent for England in 1770, The entire eastern half became known as New South Wales. And some years after his exploration, Flinders wrote an account of his voyages just after his return to, to England. And he called that a voyage to Terra Australis. And that was published, as I said, on the 1814th in July and one day before the poor fellow died. So at least he got to see uh, his book in print. And that's where he proposed that the name Terra Australis be adopted for the southern continent. And in 1824, the anglicised version of that, Australia, became the official name. Oh,
2: that's nice. And in the 1960s, there was a pub named after Matthew Flinders near Chadston. Oh yeah. The Matthew Flinders Hotel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> On the 14th of July 1960 was born Jane Lynch. Ah, oh, wonderful who's Jane. Jane Lynch. Well, Gordon? she
1: started her career in a movie called best in show which was about a dog show which is the one of the funniest movies you're ever likely to see if you can get hold of a copy and you haven't seen it just watch it because jane is the dog handler in that when she was very well the very first movie role she had been a comedian broadcasting in different parts of the united states and uh, she she had finished up in los angeles or something rather and they she was cast
2: it's a mockumentary It's very funny film
0: That's an interesting little word that's been invented
2: mockumentary. Because it's presented as a document or documentary film. It's (laughs) fictional and it's comedic. Yeah. And it's not necessarily all scripted. Everybody is told who their character is Mm. and they play their roles. And it comes across as very realistic, no matter how completely stupid it is. (laughs) Yes, that's right. And it's the same people who made Spinal Tap. So if you've got that sense of humour, it's warped, but it's, it's I guess... Um, Gently warped. It's the Americans' best attempt at satire and irony. irony yeah. yeah. And they're typically not good at that.
0: And what else do we know, Jane Lynch? And?
1: We've got Jane Lynch as Sue Sylvester, the PE teacher in Glee. show Glee. The PE teacher from hell. (laughs) Well, she was always trying to get hold of the students out of Mr. um, Will Schuster. That's him. Yes, Mr. Schuster. And poor old Mr. Schuster had to put up with his woman taking all these Well, she was trying to shut down the Glee Club. That's right. She hated the Glee Club because she wanted all her students to be physically perfect and cheerleaders mm. yeah <laughs> so yes, cheerleaders yes
0: and the Glee Club was known as New Directions
1: there's a, a it was set up to that's, give, that's different from One Direction yeah I mean. it was set up to give the children a in the school a an opportunity to be themselves whether they were gay, straight or whatever they were and show the talents that they had so this it is what was quite an wanted.
0: affirming show oh yeah, yeah yeah
1: and they had some great they always had a good guest artist in as well somebody would always be there as a guest artist while they were doing the thing and they they would be a a performer who... Doesn't hurt the ratings either. (laughs) They would then have that performer do something to get their the Glee because they were going to want to always be in the Nationals which was the, the competition for the Glee clubs around the thing and there was a lovely romance went on between one, one of the boys and the other boy in another school and wow, it was really great. That's good. Great movie.
0: Let's hear from Jane. Oh no let's, yes we'll hear from Jane and then we'll hear from the full cast with Let's Get Physical now I hope that is the uh, Olivia Newton-John song. It is the Olivia else. Newton-John yes. John song. Not an, you're on joy. <laughs> Been there, done that. Stay tuned, there's more. Hey, this is Jane Lynch, and you're listening to Australia's gay and lesbian radio station, Joy 94.9. Listening to Chris, Gordon and Phil, Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9. Thanks for being with us. Uh, 14th of July, a couple. Of, we've been using the 14th of July quite I'll often tell you today what, already. That's
1: uh, going to be a big day for some in one country and for the for their, um, people that come from that country, of course.
0: It is Bastille Day.
1: Mm, accordingly.
0: And Bastille Day celebrates the uprising of the people against the aristocracy. They wanted their rights back. The Bastille event was on, in 14th of July, 1789, Mm -hmm. the storming of the Bastille. Uh, But then one year later was what they called Fête de la Fédération, Unity Day. So they decided... That the battle was over and they had won, and now it was a matter of getting down to work and living the new life—liberty,
1: equality, fraternity. Yeah. But then, but of course, after straight after the Bastille Day, came the absolute worst part of the whole thing when they were cutting people's heads off left right and center anybody that happened to be a royal got their head well so the the
2: storming of the bastille yes was the public the
1: republic revolt they were
2: revolting well if you're (laughs) going to get your head cut off you'd have that opinion yes wouldn't you and then they had all the the reign of terror then started from that and then what literally one year later it's all settled down and then you know. no, no, no. It went
1: for a lot longer than
2: one year, but I think they just called
1: it that day just to sort of sort of, make something out of it. But there was, they were revolting and, and it was a, a pretty horrific time if you happen to have a bit of money or anything. And if, uh, Charles Dickens wrote that wonderful story about um, the Bastille... A Tale of Two tale Cities. Of two I had cities, to get yes. that right way around. Yeah, he's yeah, got to say, A Tale of Two Titties. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dr. Yeah. Spooner would yes, could have had us. Yes.
2: Our language has been corrupted <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, but it, it was, that was a, the whole thing about that. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, then they had The Scarlet Pimpernel by Baroness Orsky which was another great book about the... Um, so
0: thing. if, in fact, you, re- you read some of these novels, you get a flavour of the oh, of the time. Oh, what was going on. What was going on, yeah. yeah. And, and they actually weren't particularly reinterpreting uh, history because they were...
1: Uh, they were actually writing it.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. why you've got to consider that some of these old-fashioned books are probably better... Than modern interpretations of hysterical events mm, 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 mm,
2: mm.
1: but yeah so that the um but they, of course it, right at the moment they they 're having the tour de France, the bike race all around oh, yeah. France, and that uh, when they get to um, the fourteenth of July, and they're still racing. And there always seems to be racing on the fourteenth of July, and the parties and the businesses that go on while they're going through the French towns it's quite amazing. They all come out in their millions. They reckon there's something like about ten million people watch the Tour de France live. They don't. They, they're out on the street watching it go past. I
0: remember one of my trips to Europe. I actually landed on the fifteenth of July, mm-hmm. on a Sunday, into Paris's airport. And I just sailed through everything and got into the city without any drama. Of course you would. Everybody was exhaustified from the day before when it was parade day and celebrations.
1: Another thing about the French is that they have they do have equal marriage which is ah uh, now I being. was
0: going to say apart from anything else they've had a change of government and they've had monsieur Macron
1: I'll tell you what he's not ugly to look at is he No now he's
0: <laughs> now he's he's actually set up his own little political party in the last mm couple of years well, since he was
1: since he knows it's only since he got elected as president because he then had to have an election to form oh, yeah, a thing but, but and he got all these
0: got all his own people in him He's, so it's an mm, interesting way they do mm. of quitting all their old worn out hack politicians <laughs> oh
1: that
2: could happen Would, a few, wouldn't few we places like to
0: adopt that principle yes here. yes but
2: we've got famous comedians like abbott and costello
1: yeah <laughs>
2: we can't let these people go but the but but one thing about i like about the way they
1: do things in 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 france is that you are not legally married if you just go into a church oh you have to be married in a civil ceremony at the town hall or whatever yeah then you can go off and have your church wedding if you want to but you're not legally married until you are married at a civil civil ceremony
0: so the, the sequence is always the civil ceremony first and then you go with that piece of paper yeah, to the church, that's right. and the church can well, they, do their thing,
1: they do what they do. But I think I think you can also have your church wedding first, and then go off and have your yeah your, your, your second one. But you must be married in a civil court for the government to recognise your marriage.
2: Right. But that's not hugely different to us. Well, you we, we can be in a church, but you still need to sign. Well, it's the just marriage license.
1: and sign, sign the documents and everything. But the but the church does not have the power in. Well, the church France. aren't marrying you. yeah are they they They, they think they are yeah
2: that's right but until you sign that bit of paper you're not married that's
1: right yeah but it's just a a different system that seems to work very very well and of course they're ahead of us
0: and they're ahead of us. Equal and rights. So imagine it's inter- that. It's interesting
1: concept. to see that the senator from WA is, um, who happens to be gay, is um, going to put forward a private members' bill. Yeah. And um, well, Malcolm's
0: the way you see uh, that. Malcolm.
1: Can... Malcolm said he's not going to take it. notice it's a plebiscite or nothing. Right. And I thought to myself, I'll get some balls. But all
2: the policies to stick to. No, oh. <laughs> it's the one we don't. It want.
1: was voted down in the parliament, so that means it doesn't have to be done. They're only scared that they say they'll be breaking a promise. But God, how many promises have they broken anyhow? Oh, but we don't talk about those ones. <laughs> Bring on the equal rights is what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah, uh, someone
0: born on the 10th of July, 1954, is Neil Tennant, an English musician, singer, songwriter, musical journalist... Would he be paying the rent? ...and co-founder of the synth-pop pet duo, uh, duo Pet Shop Boys, which he formed with Chris Lowe in 1981. And mm. In, in yeah. celebration, well, we've got one of their tracks... You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station Joy 94.9. You're with Chris Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. Thanks for being with us. Round about this time, we need to look at the Globe Theatre where is that you say the i'm talking about the globe theater on the south bank in london it actually burnt down on the 29th of june in 1613 during the first performance of shakespeare's henry VIII. apparently during the uh, performance of henry VIII, a theatrical cannon was set off but it, it misfired and ignited the wooden beams and the thatching I mean, hello, you just would not do that. But that was some building materials they had at the time. That's exactly No one right. was hurt except a man whose burning bridges were put out with a bottle of ale. Oh, what a waste of Waste of, of ale. ale. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no one was severely injured during the event, but in, uh, the building was rebuilt the following year. Oh, well, there, there's a good omen, isn't it, doing Henry VIII. Well,
1: of course in modern days I think for every time you're having a you have a live frame on a flame in a theatre, you have to have two fire brigade, two two people from the fire brigade
0: standing in the wings just in case. Well mm. they used to have fire curtains as well because the the footlights were in fact naked flame. That's where you get limelight from. It's interesting that of course the Shakespearean Globe Theatre was where William Shakespeare presented a lot of his plays for not the rich people necessary to look at and be educated by, but for the common person. Because they didn't have TV, they couldn't afford newspapers, they could only listen to the Latin in the churches or things like this. And Shakespeare had a good turn of phrase and he used modern language, the language of the time, and he told his stories in such a way that there was cheering from the, uh, the the seats. Throw in comments mm. to the actors. Get on with it, all you know. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but they but they stood. They didn't sit. There was no seats in the Globe Theatre. They all stood. And this is when they bring the the new globe that they bring out here the pop-up globe theater that they're going to be using in melbourne in the uh, not in the botanic gardens it's in the uh, long since st kilda road anyhow they've got a space where they're going to set up the pop-up theater you'll just stand there and watch the performances as they used to do them and it's already just it's just come from um, new zealand they've, from been Auckland. Mm, they've been performing in new zealand and so they're going to be performing here in australia
0: do you like listening to Shakespeare's prose. Well,
1: I have just watched. I've just been to see Macbeth, done by the Melbourne Theatre Company. Yeah, and it was absolutely bloody brilliant. It was real. You, you have to, or you have to tune your your Ears listening and your devices to what is they're actually saying because they don't speak in the language that we're speaking now. It is a, his prose and what have you. is It's very flowery. It's it's, but it means you understand what they're talking about when they talk. The Shakespearean language but it's very very mm, convoluted sometimes I guess you know but it's it's it was a brilliant performance but I'm not sure what they're doing in the um, what the program is for the the pop-up globe theater
2: well it's probably something more contemporary where they have Macbeth and McNuggets and some fries and a coke that's right (laughs) 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 will they use electric lighting maybe
1: but she's Shakespeare was a was a very clever um, writer if he wrote all that he's supposed to have written, <coughs> because there's still... Him or Mr. Bacon. Yeah, no, it's uh, Thomas Marlowe. Marlow. A, as Ma- Marlowe. was the yeah, other So fella. Not
2: Kevin Bacon.
1: Yeah, not no. Kevin Bacon, no. But <laughs> but if, if Shakespeare didn't have a word, he would invent one. If he wanted to, he'd invent a word. And it's words like caked, cater, champion, circumstantial, and cold-blooded were all written into his plays, because he didn't have a word to... Um, yeah, there wasn't a word in English at the time. He wrote something like about seventeen hundred and sixty words or something or other, which were included in his plays. A lot of them have but, but, gone, yeah, a lot of them have gone by the boards. we don't use them anymore, but there are, there is a huge list of 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 words that actually Shakespeare invented and put in his
2: plays, and now, words we use well, every a, day, yeah
0: you know, simple words like dwindle, yes, you know what that is, fine Charles
2: yeah, but that surely is a sign of the times because. Not everybody would have had well, they the were much ed- language. Skills.
1: Well, they, well, they, they had a, they they would have spoken the language that they'd been brought up with, uh, with not much variation to any yeah. Sort the, of their, that, vocabulary their vocabulary would have vocabulary limited, yeah. Limited. And and it took people like because people were not that educated in those days. The upper crust were because I think it was Henry the Eighth that started Oxford University. I'm pretty sure he had something to do with one of those Oxford or Cambridge or something. And the upper crust would be going and learning to speak and all the rest of it but they didn't and, travel either they didn't travel which
2: is why you've got your accents around london hmm. which are the same language but sound completely different yeah but yeah. see this is where the this is where the what's name gets
1: in about shakespeare writing the plays he never travelled either except between Stratford-on-Avon and London and yet he could write very well about what happened in Venice in The Merchant of Venice what happened to Othello and all this thing about a country that he never ever visited.
0: That's right he told them about Denmark and the royalty yeah, that, that, there. That, that's
1: right he never visited these places and this is why they say that the uh, he would be getting he was probably getting letters written back to him from people like Marlow and, and, and anybody that travelled, mm. and he would make up the stories about it. But his but description of, of what went on in Italy is just absolutely amazing.
0: Mm. Well, I, I'm looking at a bit of a list here, and I can see some very modern words or words that we're still we still used use. today. Mm. Advertising. Mm. Birthplace. Fancy that. He's born put two words together and made Made a new single word Mm. which has a different meaning from the components. Mm.
2: But see, now we've got a lot of words. We've got a lot more words than they had. Mm. But we still add new words to the dictionary. Oh, yes. Every every year they
1: have the Dictionary of Modern Usage or something. Right.
2: The rate has decelerated greatly <laughs> since Shakespeare's time. Yeah, but
1: but you, see, the thing is that the English language is that has the most words of any language on earth. We, there are more words in the English language than anybody else has to. Yet we to still double up, with and we still tear and tear. Oh, spelt yeah, well, the' same. Right. still weather, 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 and you know, and all the rest of it. It's just amazing the way, and that's why English is so hard to learn because you've got words that are spelt the same that mean different. We with, must have been the smartest
2: with, babies on the planet at the time, then.
1: Yeah, but it's it's just one of those things. But now, of course, English is the actually the the international language. It used to be French, but now it's English. Everybody, everywhere you it go, used somebody to be will love. Learn. Now it's English. Oh right, <laughs> the lingua franca was the word, but it is now lingua English.
0: <laughs> Helen Adams Keller was born on the twenty seventh of June, eighteen eighty and she was an American author, political activist, and lecturer. But she was actually the first deaf and blind person to earn a Bachelor of Arts degree, and how on earth she did that with those two deficiencies in her skill set in front of her, being deaf and being blind. If If you had one of those problems you could probably mm, make up with mm. the other but to have both of those mm. really meant that she had to fall back on to touch and to vibration and pick up things like this as well
1: but her teacher was very very good um the woman that taught her or everything that she basically knew she was absolutely wonderful and um but i think she learned by touching
2: the play though about ann sullivan's teaching oh yeah it's called the miracle worker. That it had to have been some kind of miracle.
1: Well, she was a miracle worker. Yeah, and, but but it just proved that, that, people, that deaf those people, def, people, those people, those can difficulties. do the same things. Yeah, yeah.
0: All but, they need is to have that deficiency compensated Mm, with mm, with others
1: that's right that's where oslang comes in very very well these days
0: and with bionic ears and Mm, things like this so it's amazing yeah there we are but that's
1: all about communications and that's what joy is all about we're we're part of the communications world and um and if you'd like to communicate
2: with us you How can you do, do so. It? Yeah. How what do you do it? Well, you know the segue. email machine. Mm-hmm. You might have one at home. Oh yeah. You can write to Been there at joy au. Oh, wonderful. And we can peruse your communication. And of course, we could just we've just
1: had our wonderful radiothon, where we raised over three hundred thousand dollars to keep Joy on air. So. From there you, you the lovely pra- listeners. Lo- lovely listener that's, and the members. Yep, and the members that have kept us going. So that's really wonderful. Thank you very much. We're we
0: needing that because if we have to shift to the new Pride Centre coming up in a couple of years' time, just imagine all these studios have to be rebuilt, and new a da- new equipment provided, and that'll cost us a mega mm, bucks. That's going so to be. So we've got to start squirring away a little
1: bit of money each year. They're talking about December 2020 for the opening of the Pride
2: mm. it's the New Pride Centre, but whether and those happens- dates are as good as weather predictions? <laughs> yes,
1: yes, I think so too. Yeah, because it was a, it, I was at the seminar when they were talking about it, and uh, it's. um I just sort of happened to mention under, almost under my breath, but don't hold your breath.
0: There's a time when I used to enjoy this particular song that we're going to play for you now. Oh you yes, you know it, it, it was sort of symbolic of my life. Ah. I love the nightlife, ah. but I'm afraid I like my bed now. At <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think we're all getting it that way, Phil. Uh, Chris, I think mean, Phil and Chris. Yeah,
0: and you're with Chris Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. And you remember the song from Priscilla? Here she comes, Elysia. <laughs>
1: find out more about joy 94.9 check out joy.org.au
0: you're with phil gordon and chris been there done that on joy 94.9 we're coming towards the end of our show but we've still got a little bit of time to to talk of a, a, a nice event before we go into some mm. boring which one basic. which
1: nice event are you talking Well, of? i'm
0: talking about an event that will be held next weekend in in my favourite European city, Munich. Oh, Munich's a lovely it, place. It is, and for them, they are having their CSD, Christopher Street Day, and that's when they celebrate the Stonewall events or the events of Stonewall because it was a signature event that that indicated some freedom of human rights.
1: Is that their, like, Pride March Day? It
0: is their Pride March Day, yeah, Mm, that's mm. right. So that's what they've tacked it on to. We don't have uh, as much respect or or recognition of of Stonewall Day because we have our own events here in Australia. We've got Mm. the Mardi Gras Parade in Sydney. We've got the Tasty Raid here in Melbourne where there was... Our rights were really proclaimed mm-hmm. and uh, we marked our spot. And the other states, I think, have sort of picked up. And because, of course, well, we, we do our midsummery type summer things oh, yeah, in the warm season, we whereas Pride Europe March does and, all these things. Mm-hmm. It was convenient for them to have it in their summer.
1: Well, you have to have it in summertime. It's no you having it in wintertime because you would never get anybody out looking or participating. Well, no. Well, not all of their clothing is complete, is it?
2: No, like some of their chaps seem to be air conditioned. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's only in the summertime you can do that, Philip. Well, imagine doing that in winter in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> God, yes, yes, wouldn't be very
1: nice.
0: Be enough to freeze a jolly good fellow. Yes. Oh. No,
1: but but um, it, the political scene is is a very interesting one at the moment, isn't it? Oh,
0: it is yeah. weird, and wonderful, weird and wonderful. We just sort of mentioned mm. about Macron in the French system, mm. and um, of course Theresa May in UK, and is Angela Merkel on the skids. There mm. she's. Uh, Probably not going – well, she just had that little election and she didn't have as much uh, success. Falling. Uh, indeed. And mm. I think there's another one coming up very soon where she might lose her, her position Well, entirely. I don't know whether they'll
1: have another election in England because the people in England are sick and tired of elections. Oh. They've had the Brexit one. They've had this one yeah. that was not needed and she should have just gone with what she had. Um, but the the one that's really coming to the fore, of, of course, is Angela Merkel. Indeed, Angela Merkel in Germany is looks to be as though she's going to be the leader.
0: She's coming up for her fourth fourth election, election
1: yes, and she, that's why I was reading an article that that's why she let them have a conscience vote on equal marriage yeah. in Germany, even though she didn't vote for it. She said no, but because it got out of the way, a Thing that had been bugging one of their one of her um, minor parties because they're yeah. in a, they're in a um, what do they call it a, a an alliance um, government yeah, coalition a, a multi yeah, yeah. Uh, multi yeah, multi party thing but she has the main main vote. And um, they and needed I to. I
0: wonder g- if our Malcolm had words with her, or she had words with him at the recent G19. I think that conference. they were just talking about G19.
2: Just, yes. I,
1: I think the G19 <laughs> conference was all about the other fellow that was the twentieth. Uh, did you see? The, did you see him go and stand on the end of the line? He knew his place. He just did, wouldn't go anywhere near Angela Merkel at no, all. No, because but she has just said what he is and what he, what he, how he behaved yeah, they with They
2: both her. go to the same hairdresser. Yeah, but hers is much nicer. Well, hers is a bit thicker. <laughs> but, but, yeah, she could have had a word to Malcolm and said, look, I didn't vote for this, but I let the people speak. That, well, the houses well, speak. The, the, the people's parliament. representatives. That's, yeah. And it passed, and now it's out of the
1: way.
0: It is, and, and that's, give me good cred.
1: And this is what this um, Senator Smith has been
2: saying, get it out of the way before the next year's yeah, election.
0: The sky is not going to fall. Of course it's not going to fall. But, you but might it's have just a
2: certain freedom, not in just having equal rights, but thinking that you're politicians and your elected representatives are listening to are you. actually working on your behalf yeah well this is right well they don't just after their pay rise yeah norm- normally they are only
1: just make there to make sure they get re-elected the next at uh, the ne- next election and their superannuation. But anyhow, we're, we're not were, cynical.
0: We were going to talk about, uh, on the 17th of July, we had the Tsar Nicholas and the, the Russian family were murdered. We were going to talk there's another, about... There's another peasant's uprising, isn't that's it? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we were going to talk about, uh, on the 15th of July, 1099, the, the first crusade Christians entering Jerusalem. Richard the First, the murdering Lionheart. murdering almost everybody. everybody. Not mm. a lot of
2: happy endings in these stories. Uh, no, no, on the no.
0: 7th of July... And in, it's still you know, going on
2: in that area too, by 7th the way.
0: of July in 2005, uh, the London bomb attack uh, put down to Al-Qaeda uh, where 50 people including were killed and that was where the bus got its top ripped off and mm. then there was bombs in the underground. Underground, Yeah, yeah so it? it's we're, we're living in bumpy times at the moment, of course, <laughs> with, with the Koreans doing their little bit of, of show and tell. I think I, I have a feeling that that is all...
1: A, um, a a lot of show and noth- nothing much else because um, I think if Kim Jong Il ever started something, that'd be the end of him uh, because true. the the other countries, the, the America and China and everybody would just go in and you wouldn't want to and you wouldn't want to send a bomb to Darwin for God's
2: sake. The well, Chinese no. own it, don't they? Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you're suggesting South Korea might become an island. <laughs> something like that. Might lose a bit of the peninsula. Yeah,
1: yeah. But anyhow, it's, we'll just see how it all turns out. I, when I was reading about it the other day, I kept thinking of the Cuban Missile Crisis with um, Fidel Castro and, and the Americans, Robert Kennedy, and, and, and John Kennedy. And I, it sounds very, very similar,
2: you know. And to our younger listeners, if you listen to April Sun in Cuba, you'll learn more about that. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. then. Yeah.
0: Very good. Thanks very much, gentlemen. Thank you, dear listener, for being with us today. Thank you, linesman.
2: Thank you, ball boys. Oh, yes. Oh, it's yeah, that's going on, isn't it? well, yes. yes. Are you bored with your job? Oh. oh thank you, Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know anybody that isn't bored at some time in their job, but he had the thing to say it. Yes, yes, I can understand that. Tennis quite. balls? Yes, he had the tennis balls. We should some.
2: give him some bubble wrap. That good? makes everybody happy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, i tell you what we, we really would like if Bobby Venner and James McNally can actually arrange this for the rain fall down on me because That's, our curtains are so dry. Yeah, dry. It's mm, dreadful. Mm. Thanks for being with us But again. not
1: before I get home, please.
0: Oh, all right. Because I didn't bring no my now. umbrella with me. Yeah. Okay, then. <laughs> Bye for now.
1: Bye for now. Bye.
0: This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au.
2: This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.